Welcome to A Love Like This. I'm Abby, I'm Paige. And I'm Ben, and we are so glad that you are here. As we sit down each week with some amazing guests and close friends, our hope is that you would be encouraged to take heart in the troubles of this world and would start living a more abundant and fruitful life. This episode of A Love Like This is brought to you by Stonebreaker Lawyers. Stonebreaker Lawyers is a Christian law firm specializing in commercial and business law, wills and estate planning, and property contracting. If you're looking to purchase or sell a property, need a contract drafted, or just need a trusted legal advisor that shares similar faith values to you, visit stonebreakerlawyers.com.au. That's stone, B-R-A-K-E-R, lawyers.com.au. Hey friends, happy Saturday or whatever day of the week it is that you're listening to this episode. So it's Ben here and many of you may not know this, I have a humble passion for helping young people in particular become more financially literate. Our incredible guest today, Jeremy Vasquez, shares that exact calling. Jeremy has a successful YouTube channel where most of his content is centered around retiring early and becoming financially independent all through the lens of Christ. Jeremy is a father and husband, lives debt free and has a whole lot of wisdom to share. In today's episode, we spoke about the importance of not idolizing money and instead using it as a tool to live a life built around your values and not materialism, how to be more intentional with your money and how that leads to contentment and gratitude, practical ways that you can get out of a season of financial stuckness, and what is probably my favorite topic, how the ancient wisdom book Ecclesiastes set Jeremy and his wife Grace on a path to financial independence. If you love this episode, make sure to check out Jeremy's channel linked in the show notes, as well as his free guide to get clear. Enjoy this episode with Jeremy Vasquez. Just to get started, would you mind just telling our audience a little bit about you, what you're doing, where you're at? I know we just talked about business, YouTube, kids, plethora of things. Um, but yeah, just to give us an overview of where you're at. Yeah. So about a couple of years ago, my wife, Grace, and I, we moved from the West Coast, our busy lives, both working nine to five, um, and then just just really, really busy. Just not, we, we didn't find that we had a lot of time for each other. And, um, you know, we were thinking ahead, ahead because we'd actually didn't have kids, my son at the time. But um, two years ago, we decided to make the leap and just kind of sell everything we had and move over to Michigan, where it is um, not just more affordable, but we found a lot of peace here when we were doing some traveling, found a great church community. And, um, but ultimately, and I, and I talk a lot about on YouTube about financial independence, retire early and things like that. But really the goal is to really um, just share our experiences based on um, you know, how to be intentional with your time, your talent, your money, to live the life that you want and not what society expects of you. And so that's what we've done. We came out here. We don't have any debt, um, no mortgage payment or anything like that, and really just focus on um, our walk with Christ and being a part of our community and focusing on marriage and um, yeah, and being there for our son. And so like we just prioritize those three things and we want to make sure that everything we do with their time, talent, and money revolves around that. Yeah, that's so good. And especially like you even look at the content that you put out on your YouTube channel, right? And it's like, yeah, I would, I'd classify you as a f- finance channel. But I mean, in reality, so many of your videos are about those three things is it's not just, hey, I'm going to teach you how to invest in this one. I'm not going to teach about ETFs in this one, index funds. It's like these really core, core messages about those three kind of big things and everything centered around that. And they all kind of come together really nicely. So it's fantastic. I hope you don't mind. We are going to focus a little bit on financial independence and money in this episode only because I think people with a Christian perspective on this are really hard to come by um, who also have a really practical approach to it. I think I hear a lot about, okay, like, you know, Christian fundamentals to finance, but they're all very kind of abstract, like, you know, 
give, you know, don't be greedy. It's kind of like, yeah, but what's the actual ways to be like that? So I was hoping we could, um, we could get into a little bit of, of that if that's okay. But um, I yeah, think my first it. question, what do you think are some of the ways that people can, I guess, stop idolizing money as like this thing that they have to obtain and start actually using it more like a tool to live a life that's more led by Christ or is, um, you know, lived in a way that's the way that God kind of intended us to be living? Yeah, I think the simple short answer to that is, um, well, at least for me, is stop idolizing the people that do um, and stop consuming their content and not necessarily stop it, but limit it. If, if you know what I mean, because I, there's a lot of people like, I, and like you just mentioned on YouTube or just on the web that talk about financial independence, but it's not really from a Christian perspective. And that's something that I really was desiring and I wanted. And so I, I, my wife and I, we decided to really just kind of go through our, our phones or social media, even our emails and really just start removing things and removing, I guess, the people and the stories and, you know, whatever that really kind of brought anxiety around money or fear around money, or always, we're always felt ourselves comparing ourselves to that person. Um, or they're always maybe just shine, flashing what they had. Um, because I mean, we're on our phones all the time nowadays. Right. And so it's, it's really um, taking that initial step to eliminate all those things. Um, and it takes time. I think it does take time. I mean, imagine, you know, you have probably people, there's people that have thousands of emails that are unread or whatever <laughs> they get every single day. When you follow somebody, you just kind of, if you don't, you know, you follow them for you know a specific time period, but mm. they just forget about their content, but you still see it in your feed. And, you know, you still, it still, it still speaks to you, right? You still, they still have access into your life. And, um, and so I think that is very, like the first practical step that we did was start removing um, those things and especially on social media. And, but we still wanted, I guess, financial independence or as far as that, we still wanted to be mm. um, good stewards of what we had. Yeah, and course. so honestly, Dave Ramsey is the only one that really kind of talks about Christ um, through his, um, through his plan. And so that's when we started really kind of going down that route. We really wanted to understand what the Bible said about money. Um, and so that's where I started. And we we decided to pay off our debt because we realized that we were using debt for the wrong reasons. Um, we were obviously out buying cars that, you know, that would make me look good. My wife, you know, shopping and racking up her credit card because she wanted addresses here and there. And so we were, we were spending without a, I wouldn't say without a purpose, but like we were spending just to like, I guess, boost our ego like unconsciously like we were just like we were we weren't aware of what we were spending and we yeah, realized mindful that purchases right exactly and so we just weren't um being a good steward for what we had when we realized that and we realized that when we realized that um that what we have is on our own and so once i had that mind shift really um clicked for me it was like okay well if, I'm, if it's not mine i better you know start managing it better and um and that's what really kicked us off to getting out of debt and then the next step was like okay well we're gonna look and start a family and looking to, uh, but we didn't feel comfortable because in Portland homes are like 400, 500 yeah, it's expensive. dollars. And for us, for what was important to us, we wanted more time together and we didn't want to be tied to the nine to five, right? If we wanted to go travel or if we wanted to, well, for me, I wanted to work on build my own, my own thing. And also I just want to be available for my wife. And so, and, and I kind of like saw, I guess the future as far as like, okay, I could actually, I could increase my income as far as like, I can maybe work towards a, a manager or a director level, but at the same time, that typically requires more of my time, right? Because I'll be getting paid more and then it's more responsibility and there's more of my time managing more people and things. So that's like, I realized like, okay. And also too, like, what is an extra, if I got a $20,000 raise, like, what is that actually going to do for me? Like what, and, and, and like making an offer in a house, an extra $20,000, like, how is that really going to change my life? 
And I didn't find that it would. And so we started looking and asking ourselves, you know, well, what if we decided to move? What if we were looking for other alternatives? We considered van life, we considered uh, tiny house living and things like that. But as we were traveling around the U.S., you know, we just we discovered Michigan has, uh, you know, God is still in Michigan. There's great churches in Michigan and um, it's affordable. And we found that it's just less traffic and just less busyness. And um, we uh, we decided to make that leap. Yeah, that's so fantastic, especially... I mean, you mentioned a lot in there, but I mean, even breaking down like who you're actually idolizing when it comes to money, because, you know, there's that really old saying, like you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with most. Like most people don't think that that actually translates onto your social media and your digital life as well. Like if you're constantly bombarded with, you know, Tony Robbins and people slamming crypto and TikTok to you all the time and like all these different things, like, of course, you're going to have a different perspective on money, right? And I think that's why it's so important that we're kind of having this conversation now because so much of our audience are young people and that's all they see, you know, that they don't get this insight into people like Dave Ramsey, people like yourself. So I think that's totally fantastic and 100% agree that that's just an incredible place to start. And like what you're saying with being more mindful with your purchases, like it was interesting when you said, you know, if I make an extra 20 grand, you know, what's that actually going to do for my life? And I mean, if you're living somewhere where housing so much more expensive, but also that your spending habits, you know, probably not where you kind of want them to be. Yeah. 20 grand's fluff in the wind because it's going to be spent on new dresses, on new shirts, new cars, whatever it might be. Right. So I think that's fantastic, Jeremy. Um, I guess in saying that, why do you think it's important to be grateful in the, I guess, financial season that you're in? Because I mean, for lots of people listening, they might not even be in a position where you know they can even afford a house or they could even have the luxury of, I guess, moving or um, you know, considering a, a life that I guess is like financially free. I mean, you and I know that it can be quite simple and quite easy, but for people that feel, I guess, trapped in that kind of stage of life, you know, how do you think people can be a bit more grateful and content um, you know, in those seasons of, I guess, lack of finance? I think I think you have to when you're trying to be grateful, or at least when, when, whenever you're grateful, that leads to contentment, right? And and I feel like when you operate from that mindset, um, you, you you're a little bit more generous. Mm. And when you're generous, um, you tend to do more for people, right? And then in turn, that leads to um, fulfillment and happiness, of course, but also opportunity. And so um, I feel like if you feel stuck and you you don't want to move or you can't move and you still feel stuck, I mean, practically, you're going to have to find ways to increase your income, but you can also learn to be grateful in your season. And by being grateful and, you know, like I said, it tends to lead you to be generous and opens up more opportunities for you um, because more people like you, right? It just comes down to that. If you're more generous, you're more likable and that opens up more more doors yeah. for you. Yeah, right. Cool. Um, I think that's... I'm trying to put it practically, you know what I mean, and not be too much, no, but too it, much fluff there. Yeah, you know no, I mean? it, it makes total sense. And, you, you know, you touched on something there. Like a lot of the times when I'm meeting with clients and things, you know, one of the questions that kind of comes up is, okay, do I have an income problem or do I have a spending problem? And I think lots of people feel trapped in their situation. But, I mean, when you actually put all the cards on the table, I mean, a lot of the time the problem is actually you. I mean, I don't know what it's like in the States. Obviously, it's very different. But in Australia, we're so fortunate where not many people, I'm talking like less than half a percent maybe, legitimately have a, you know, a stressful financial situation to the point where they don't have that that choice in any kind of sense. So, I mean, we're so blessed here. But I mean, I totally agree with you in the sense that, you know, if you actually be more mindful with your money, if you think a bit more practically about what you're doing with it, you become more grateful and more content with what it's actually doing in your life. And I guess as a result of that, you can give more. Yes. And um, there's one thing that you just reminded me of. 
and it's really a mindset shift along with being grateful. Mm. Um, but it's really, instead of saying I can't, like I, I, I remove that, that phrase from my, my language and, and replace that with how. Um, because if you if immediately say you can't move or you can't do this, you can't do that, your brain stops working on it. But if you continue to ask yourself how, even if, even if you don't know how, your brain will subconsciously continue to work on it. And you're and you're and you're constantly thinking how am I how am I how am I do this? You just constantly look. I don't know if you ever like you've ever thought about. Have you ever seen like um you, you maybe buying a new car or something like that? Like I was looking at a Super Forester the other day, and it's like all of a sudden you start seeing that car everywhere. Yeah, just mm-hmm. so consciously, like you just like, oh wow. And so it's like it's, there's not more forest or Super Foresters around. It's just like you're constantly just your mind is looking for that because that's what you're looking for. And so it's like replacing I can't with how is really really subtle. Um, but it, it, you have to be intentional about that. Whenever you say, I can't, just remember, no, how, how could I do it? How could I do it? Sorry to interrupt this incredible conversation, but we just wanted to take a quick moment to thank the sponsor of this episode, Stonebreaker Lawyers. Headed by Jonathan Stonebreaker, Stonebreaker Lawyers offers a variety of affordable legal and property contracting services founded on strong Christian values. For our younger listeners, purchasing or selling a property can be an absolute minefield. Having someone you can trust and with the right knowledge, particularly when it comes to contracts, is so important. For our older listeners, it might be time to sit down and revisit your wills and estate plans. Having someone who shares similar faith values to you can make a world of difference when it comes to legal matters, particularly those that involve family, small businesses, charities, and churches. We've seen firsthand the care, compassion, and competence that John and his team put into all of their client interactions. If you'd like to learn more, visit stonebreakerlawyers.com.au. That's stone, B-R-A-K-E-R, lawyers.com.au. Enjoy the rest of this amazing episode. Yeah, I was going to say, that's so good because I mean, like what you were saying before and just from watching kind of the videos you put out, like going from having debt to being debt free. I mean, that's a big mental shift as well. I think lots of people, especially in the States, can't wrap their head around this idea of getting out of debt. Like it just seems like such an impossible kind of task. So, I mean, were you asking yourself that kind of, how can I do this? How can I do this from pretty early on? Totally. And because nobody likes to be in debt, nobody likes to um, sacrifice, right? They want to live their lifestyle. And so it's like, I knew in order to get out of the debt, you have to sacrifice. Like, I mean, that's just, you have to. So it's like, you have to determine how long you want to sacrifice for and what are you willing to sacrifice? And so for my my wife and I, um, we looked at our top three expenses, which was our, you know, typically someone's rent mortgage, and then it's your car and then it's um, your food bill. And so, you know, we tackled the first two, which is like, okay, I want to actually make a dramatic impact in my finances quickly. So how can I do this? So we downsized into um, an apartment that was just not so pretty. And it was probably, it was the cheapest part we could find. And um, that's not always practical for some people, depending on if you have kids or not, but also really depends on how bad you want it. And you got to remember it's only temporary. So we were only there for a year. Um, and then we, we downsized to one car. So that means I got up a little bit earlier to take my wife to work and I had to pick her up after work. So, but we knew it was only going to be for a short period of time. And what's one year in the grand scheme, right? Out of 40. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Or it, it just even. depends on how long you want to sacrifice. Yeah. yeah, for eternity. yeah. So it's, it's just how long do you want to sacrifice for and how bad do you want it? And for my wife and I, we, we didn't, we didn't want to sacrifice for that long. So we had to make some dramatic changes um, in our life. 
Um, but ultimately it led to uh, pretty fruitful. Yeah. What I think is so. fantastic about you especially is like you, you, the image in your head of the life you want to live isn't the apartment. It's not the house. It's the type of life you want to live, right? So when you have you to make it. these sacrifices, it's like, why does it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because it's getting me to the life that I want to live, not the apartment that I want to live in, you know? Exactly. Exactly. It's not because if that's, if it's truly what makes me happy, I, when I, when I coach people, when I talk to people and they, they fill out the guide that I give away for free, how to get clear. When I'm talking to them, they mention, oh, for example, there's a lady that lived in California. She's like, well, it's just so nice. The sunny, the weather's out here. But then I go back, we go back to the guide and it's like, well, where is California in the midst of what is important to you? Like you just said that these are your top three values. You just said, this is your mission. Where does California fit in that, in that, in that mission? Just because it's sunny. And how many times you get to actually go outside once, twice, like, I mean, to like go hiking things like that yeah, yeah, yeah. once a week, twice a month. And so it's like, how many, what is that in relation to what you truly want? You know what I mean? You don't, you don't want to, you want to quit your job or you want to pursue this new business, but you want to, you know, you can't afford California and you're not happy. So you have to make a change um, based on whatever your values and mission are. And for my wife and I, like I said, right, if it's, if it's Christ, if it's, if each other community, it doesn't matter where I live. Um, it doesn't, I mean, it does matter as far as like community, but as far as like, I'm not limited to just one place. Yeah, of course. And I mean, well, that's why like you see people doing missionary and it's like, they're in these terrible war-torn countries, but they're still somehow living a fantastic life. And it's not because they dreamt of living in Afghanistan, you know, handing out Bibles or whatever it is. It's because that they're, they're living the type of life and the, the life that's driven by the values that they want. And there's this really interesting book. I don't know if you've read it, The Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. I heard of it. I yeah, heard it. F- fantastic book. But in it, one of the one of the chapters is about like setting your goalposts now, which I think is really really similar to you know your guide to getting free in the sense that or getting clear that you know you have to set what values and what type of life you want to be living, or else you get into that position where exactly what you said before, you start earning that extra twenty grand a year, and it starts being used for things that aren't the type of life that you want to be living, right? It's buying a second like car that you didn't really want or a third car even that you didn't really need or a bigger house or a you know nicer TV, whatever it actually is. But I mean, that's so important because if you set those goalposts now, you know what you're working towards and all the sacrifices, all the hard work along the way, it makes so much more sense and you have so much more, I guess, contentment, like what we were talking about before, because it's not for stuff. It's You're not working for things at the end of the day. I think that's so fantastic. What uh, This is kind of tricky over a podcast, but I guess because so much of our audience are quite young, what, I guess, piece of financial guidance would you give someone that is relatively young? I mean, we, we spoke about debt. Obviously, it's kind of hard to be in a position where you just have no debt for your whole life. You know, sometimes that's not very practical, but I guess what piece of guidance would you give to a young person? Um, I'd say really, at least what I've been trying to do is really focus on positioning right myself to live a meaningful life without right, being tied to right, a job or to debt. And so for like some practical advice for someone that's younger than me, if I, or even if I was just to start over again, um, I wasted a lot of time in college trying to pursue like a dream job or like, um, and I realize now, and it's something I still struggle with is like a paycheck and a paycheck is fine. But for a paycheck, is like a drug um, every two weeks, every two weeks I'm getting it. And now that I'm off of that, I still feel kind of the effects like, oh my God, a paycheck. I feel like I should be working more. I feel like it's just like the nine to five mentality. And, and I'm not saying that's wrong at all, but it's, if you're relying on that, then that's kind of a dangerous place to be. Um, and so if I was to start over, I wish I would have found a mentor and, um, there was an opportunity where I had a mentor, but I didn't, I didn't see the value in it. 
I didn't see the value in it. And um, I guess I just wanted to go do my own thing because I thought my path or my way was going to be more successful or whatever. But if you, I feel like the, the fastest way to, I guess, success, or if you're looking for more financial independence, more money and things like that, really kind of look to find a mentor that is an area that you're interested in. And a, a simple way to do that, right. That I tell people is go to LinkedIn and literally if you're a college student, people are willing to help college students and go to LinkedIn and ask like, Hey, do you mind if I shadow you? Mind if I shadow you one of these days, just because I'm really interested in this particular field. I'm studying this in college. You mind if I just shadow, see what you do. And you just go and just, just soak it all in and ask questions and just build that relationship. And it's, it's something I wish I would have done more of. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I did it uh, because really it's something I'm learning is like, there's power. Like there's, it's so cheesy. I don't even know what I'm going to say it, but like your net worth is your, is your, um, your network. I always heard yeah. that, but I tell I was like, that's just a bunch of, cheesy. I'm like, whatever. Like, okay. <laughs> but it's true. Net worth, worth, worth. And so, but it's like, no, there's more opportunity. It's not, it's not your network. Doesn't, I mean, your net worth might grow, but it's like more opportunities come to you when you actually spend time with people and actually take an interest in solving their problems. And that's the second thing is, all right. So find a mentor. Second thing is look to solve problems. And the way to do that, I had a woman that I was on a, um, a coaching call with. She spent $6,000 on a course on how to like a high ticket, how to coach. And the very first module, she was like, she was stuck because she didn't know how to find like her niche or whatever. And so we were talking about it. And I was like, well, what have you done? Like, what is it? Who, who have you served? Like, what is it? What have you done? And she realized that like, that's the reason why she wasn't successful with the course or whatever, but she desired financial dependence because of what the marketers had told her. But she realized she actually hadn't done anything. She hadn't solved any problems to actually be that coach for somebody else. And so what I told her was like, she's like, well, how should I spend my time? Like, how should I spend my time then at the extra time? Like, and I was like, go find somebody, talk to them, be friends with them, ask them, what is your struggles? Just simply ask, what was your challenge? What are you challenged with? What, what are you struggling with right now? And just continue to like ask that. And I make that a habit when I talk to people, like, what do you, what, what is your challenge? What are you, what are you struggling with? You know, how can I help? Yeah. That's so important. Just, yeah. Yeah. There's this old, um, this old story about this. I can't remember his name, but he owned an ATM company and literally just to get money out. That's all it was. But he obviously just wanted to sell ATMs, right? And he wasn't having much luck, but he ended up discovering that the problem that bars and restaurants were having were people were putting their drinks on the top of the ATM machines when they went to get money out and they'd spill and break the machines. So he's the guy that like invented the curve top ATM machines. And so people can't put drinks on them. And he was solving that problem as opposed to, you know, I have an idea. I want to, you know, act on that idea. I think that's so good. But what you also mentioned was, you know, finding a mentor, I think as Christians, we're really blessed in the sense that, I mean, we know that the problem in the world is a lack of Jesus, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. that if you take that approach to whatever you find yourself doing in life, there's always going to be a problem to solve, right? Like we're here in Australia where our business is in the life insurance industry, It's quite different from the States, but I mean, there's a a million other people here that can sell life insurance, but we try and do it in a way that's through God and through Christ. And, you know, we feel like we're called to to help widows, right? Like it's biblical. And because we kind of take that perspective, even if there is 500 other people doing what we're doing, we feel like we're solving almost like a different kind of problem at the same time, if that makes sense. I wanted to take this one back. I think it was probably your first video that I'm going to coin kind of viral, um, probably like one of your best performing videos. Um, 
and I'm going to quote it because I love this so much in Ecclesiastes. It was actually the, the first reason why I kind of like connected with you was because it has a really big um, part in my life. But the passage is, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Ecclesiastes, you know, 510. And so I wanted to take it back to your first video. Um, how did Ecclesiastes, you know, this really old book in the Old Testament and a relatively sad and, and kind of negative book, um, you know, set you and your wife on this path to, to financial independence? Yeah. So like I said, we were, we wanted a more biblical perspective on finances. So that's what we were attracted to Dave Ramsey. Um, we, we didn't follow everything he had mentioned, but I feel like it was a great start and good push for my wife and I to dive deeper into what the Bible says about money. And for me, I was like, okay, because I realized I wish I had a mentor. I was like, okay, so who was actually the wealthiest person in the Bible, right? Solomon. And so I was like, you know what? Let's just see what he has to say. And I read Proverbs. um, Like I've read it multiple times, but this is time I took it serious because I was looking at it through a framework of like, what does God want to do with my money? And so as I was reading Proverbs and then I, you know, as I was continuing moving forward, you know, I came to Ecclesiastes and this guy, Solomon, is at the end of his life. And he's telling you, right, if the wisest guy in the world is telling you to do something, but not just the wisest guy in the world, but like biblically, right, as a Christian, he's telling you how to be successful. You're going to, you should listen, at least for me, that's what I found. Right. And so I just took, I literally just took what he said, like literally, right. To love God, love your wife, others, enjoy life. So it will sustain you all the days of your life as you work. Um, and so I don't believe like when I when I say retire early in my uh, my videos or whatever, it's really it's really a mindset, right? Because I'm really trying to show people that you can actually be happy and be content, right, without being a millionaire, and you don't have to be. And so I, of course it's a, that's that's my perspective based on what the Bible says, and that's what Solomon talks about, the wisest man that's ever lived. And so I'm not gonna. Why would I? try to pre-frame or change my mindset or try to think I'm better than him or I know more than what he has, um, what he has to say. And so, um, but also not just that. So taking that and applying it to my life, I found it to be true, right? Just focusing on Christ and how I can design a life that revolves around him, how I can do work that where I can not rely on my nine to five, but I can actually be available um, to my wife, but also be available to the things of ministry. And um, Yeah. I think it's fantastic because like we live in the Western world, right? Like we have to work. There's no kind of doubt about it. Like we have to live, we have to have an income. And I love how you've taken the perspective of, you know, this is giving me a life. I'm not here to work. You know, my life isn't here to work nine to five or to grind at my business 24 seven. Like you're comfortable in not having a lot so that you can have an abundance in terms of like time with your wife, time with your family, time with church, you know? It's so, so important, but I love Ecclesiastes so much. That was the Me biggest too. shift in my life, I think. When I first heard there's this um, guided meditation called Vapor, and the whole thing is about uh, kind of centered around Ecclesiastes, and you don't actually know that it's faith-based until the last four seconds of this kind of meditation. But it's so fantastic, completely changed the direction of my life, direction of my faith, and seeing that put in a financial sense. I didn't even, I hadn't even thought of it like that. And when I first saw it and I heard you say, I'm like, I've got to DM this guy. Hey, Jeremy, like, I love it. I think I wrote a comment or something and it got like one like by one person. I'm like, oh, you don't get it. But me, me and Jeremy get it. You're the first person, honestly, I feel like that it's really connected. I've connected with. Really? At least talked to in person. Wow. That's my wife. That really connected and understood the scripture the way wow. or see it that way um, that I do. Oh, I'm so and, glad. Um, I know there's people on YouTube that. I mentioned like in the comments, they say, oh, I see, I see, but as far as, as far as like actually talking to someone that 
really relates to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for so context, actually, that. I think your wife taught me this in a video. Solomon is worth, I think, three or $4 trillion in today's money. There you go. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, and for, for like argument's sake, I think the richest guy in the world is not even worth anything close to that. Like it's, it's in the billions, which I mean, is just an unfathomable amount of money, but, um, I love it so much. In saying all of this, I mean, I just said $4 trillion is what someone's worth was, but I guess, how do you know when enough is kind of enough? I know we touched on setting like your goalposts and setting the values, but I mean, how can you kind of stop yourself constantly? Like, you know, you've gotten to this place, right? You have time with your wife, you have time at church, you have time with your kid. How do you then, I guess, combat those little kind of, I guess, little things that come into your head where it's like, you know, you could work a little bit harder. You could take another podcast interview because it, you know, might help your channel. You know, how do you combat these things that kind of take you away from i guess your your dream or your ideal life i think it's it's really comes down to an intimate walk with christ and um and it's something that you know i think we all struggle with i struggle with just like literally like praying and having a time together with christ um whatever time that is and what that works for you um and having that walk with god and actually praying and studying what his word has to say um because when you're focused on christ's and you really believe what the word has to say, right? When you cast your cares upon him, that nothing else, nothing else matters. Yeah. That's, that's really how I've, I guess, sustained because it's constant effort and you have to constantly be aware. It's not like you can focus on minimalism and try to set up your life in a way where you have less distractions, but at the end of the day, you still have to constantly work on yourself because even if you have less distractions, if you're idle, Right. There's thoughts that come into your mind and um, y- 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 there's depression. Typically, people become depressed when you're not doing anything. So it's really important, like when you eliminate things in your life to be, I guess, more free and have more time. You have to be intentional about actually using that time the way you want to, because when you're working a regular job, it's so easy just to to do that. You don't really have to be disciplined as far as like, uh, you know, you wake up, you don't have to be at work at this time. You don't really have to think about it. But when you have more time, you have to be conscious of what you're doing and it's a little bit harder because you constantly have to put effort in yourself and you have to build that discipline and um, that's something that i've struggled with the past couple of years because i've always had someone or a boss tell me what to do and so transitioning to self-employment and um is really you just have to be more intentional and you have to put the effort in every day um, to be intentional and it, it doesn't go away i mean yeah it gets easier but it doesn't go away you still have to yeah, and I think you need that. a lot of confidence to kind of do what you do, you know, because to quit your job is a, is a big thing, right? And I think having God there is such an important aspect to that. Like my partner, she quit her job, you know, I think four four months ago, start of the year, right? And the only way that she – it took years to build up the confidence to leave. But she said that when she sat down in this meeting, she pulled up a chair next to her and she just imagined that God was sitting there right next to her in that meeting. And, I mean, that to me was her kind of – her sense of prayer, right? Like it's having him right next to her, giving her the confidence to to make these kind of really hard decisions in life that – you know, we'll get you to where you want to be and where you think God wants you to be. But it's like, how do I actually just take that first kind of step, you know? And I mean, you're yeah. just a living example you can plan, of the snowball, right? I said, you can plan all you want, um, but yeah, it's still hard, right? It's because it's a completely different mindset shift, um, taking that leap and not, right? If you're working and relying on a job, it, it, it's hard. It's really hard. And that's why, I mean, it's not for everybody. And sometimes I wish I was just employed, honestly, because why I, I can't, I, you know, I'm living this life, but now, okay, now I have multiple clients to deal with and 
So it, it's really you have to be intentional because right I, I now I have to think more and right, it could be it could be more busy. Um, but if you love it and you enjoy it and you know this is what called to do, it can time just passes by. So I'm just saying like it really just is some days are better than others. And sometimes I definitely wish I can just go back and uh, just get a regular job because I feel like at least you're on a schedule. You can set time when you're going to be, you know, with God and your devotion. And then you go to work, you come home, you stop thinking about it because it's hard for me, especially working at home. Like I just, I have to, it's hard to just stop thinking. And my wife, my wife notices that. She's like, you're going to be more present. And that's. Well, I mean, yeah. our business, like it's a small family business, right? It's my dad and my older sister. And like, yes, we kind of have a separate office that we can go to and switch off. But I mean, if we're sitting across the dinner table and something comes into mind, like we all know what we're thinking. Like we can't sometimes help but talk about work. <laughs> and I mean, how many other people yeah. in the world are talking about, you know, their clients at the dinner table with, mind you, two other <laughs> siblings and your mum there. Like we kind of exactly. had this joke where we kind of team up, but I don't want to get into too much detail about this because obviously I'm, I'm pretty conscious of time, but I mean, in your get clear kind of guide, I mean, everyone should go and take a look at that in terms of like first steps, right. For someone who does maybe feel trapped in life or does maybe have a desire to be, I guess, financially independent or live a life that has a bit more breathing room. Um, what's the first kind of step? Where should people go? What should be the first thing that they start to do to kind of get themselves back on track? I think you have to realize um, that there's another way and you have to also forgive yourself. Um, because yeah, if, if you're at a point where you're stuck and you know, you've made bad decisions or decisions might not have been your fault as far as like, you know, sometimes you're in a situation where, um, you can't control what other people do. Um, but realize that, you know, things can change. I think you just have to believe it. And the first step is really, you have to, you have to get clear. You can't make a plan, right? I wouldn't start going into a plan. I feel like when people, especially in financial in the financial world, like budgeting is, it's really pushed. And like, everybody says, if you're trying to get your life on track or whatever, start budgeting. No, that's not the first <laughs> step you should, you should make. Cause you, you no. can't make a plan if you don't know where you're headed. Yeah. So true. Um, yeah. Without budgeting, how do people get financially clear without budgeting? Because I feel like people get really stuck on the budgeting part and they just kind of give up because, and, and so I just have another method towards that. And uh, I guess a way to like framework, you know, how I manage money. Yeah, I think we're, we're more similar than what we think to be. I mean, we're both wearing flannies, but I mean, I'm the exact oh, same, yeah. right? Like it's it's the people who are like, okay, I can only spend $100 on groceries this week. I can oh, only gosh, treat yeah. myself $50. In. I'm like, guys, that's never going to work. Like even if you look at it from a psychological perspective, it will never work. I'm like, I, and I'm sure our kind of ways of thinking about it are pretty similar. It's like, okay, like work out what you got to be spending. That's your kind of your buffer and your threshold. What you do with that money, doesn't matter. Just don't think about it in the time that you have to spend it because it's there. It's accounted for. It's designed to be spent. That's what that and is that gives, for. It gives you more anxiety. It yeah. gives you more anxiety. It doesn't make like sense. Doing all that. And so it's like, why? It's because that's what people are selling. That's what people are telling people. And so, um, and yeah, Dave Ramsey is a big component of that. Like, I never budgeted like down to the zero. Like, I don't know. I want to leave open and flexibility for me to like, if I feel called to give or just like, you know what I mean? I don't want to be tight. Oh, I got to catch yeah. my budget. But like, I want to be flexible to work on. Yeah, you know, but you know what? It's easier to budget than it is to work out what your three core values are that you want out of life. So like which one's easier to sell totally. to people, right? Totally. You're right. The question is like, oh, should I rent or should I buy a house? Should I invest in my 401k? Should I? That's not the right question to be asking. That actually makes you more overwhelmed. It's like, okay, that's where you start with what gives you peace. And a lot of people don't know how they want to know what they want, right? They can be so stuck and you just like, you don't know what to think, but you don't know what you want. So that's why I feel like leading people to think that, okay, well, if that's really hard, think about how you want to live 
and and kind of describe what that week or that day would look like and and really what what gives you peace and start from there identifying okay this is what gives me peace this is what values i have these are some of the skills that i have all right i need to start now i need now i now i can start making a plan as far as like where i want to go but i think like i said the media and things like that they just they push budgeting or like you know invest in this invest in that buy this buy that and um it can get you even more confused because like I feel like I'm doing the right thing and it is the right thing, just not the right time. Like if you're investing or if you're budgeting, those are all right things, but it may not be the right time for that. Yeah, it's it's so true. And it's I, I, it's hard for me sometimes because, you know, I've been kind of blessed to have been raised, you know, pretty financially literate, but even in the sense that I've been very clear on the type of life I want to live. So it's not often that I actually have to put myself in a position of someone who, you know, doesn't have a clear vision of what their future should or, or what they want it to look like. And I was, I was thinking about my partner's little brother. He's, he's only 16 or whatever it is. I mean, it's pretty young to even be thinking about these things, but to put myself kind of back in those, you know, kind of shoes, like how difficult it would actually be to think about a, a life that's not led by materialism. I think that would be something really, really difficult to do. But exactly like you said, the budgeting, the investing, all of these kind of financial technical things come after that because that's kind of like the tools that you need to get there. But I mean, you have to know where you're going first before you start making all of these decisions. And I mean, we even know from a, a financial sense, like that can be counterintuitive to be changing that all the way while you're figuring out exactly what you kind of want. So I appreciate that so much. Exactly. We ask I, you I, get, I just want to add something to yeah, that. Yeah, please. Can I add something to that? Yeah, of course. Okay, so... Um, and especially when you're younger, because I didn't, I didn't come to this. It's just literally three years ago, three, four years ago, and I've come to this. But I think it's hard to answer those questions when you're a little bit younger, too. It's like, you know, how do I want to live? What are you talking about? I haven't even experienced anything. I haven't even seen the world. And I think that's okay. You don't have to have it all figured out. I always get, it's not, I'm not getting annoyed, but I kind of get a little like, oh man, I'm a little jealous because like, how did you figure out what you want? Like when you're so young, like, you know what I mean? So it's like, but that's not, that's not always typical. You know what I mean? It's going to take time to figure out what you want by actually doing things. And just going out and exploring or trying new, um, you know, jobs or new skills, learning new things. And it's, it's a process. So you don't have to all have it all figured out by the time you're 20. Or yeah, that's 30. it, right. And it's just like exactly what you said. If you haven't experienced certain things, how can you expect yourself to know any different? You know, how can you know what it feels like to be the beck and kind of call of a boss who's a terrible person who makes you work for scraps and countless hours a day? You know, you won't know what that feels like until you've actually experienced it. Yeah. Yeah. So to exactly. kind of close, we ask all of our guests this question. You kind of touched on it before, but I'm going to ask it in a slightly different way. But if you were sitting at a table, kind of exactly what we're e doing now, what advice would you give to your younger self, younger oh. Jeremy? And it can be anything. It doesn't have to be about finance. It can be just generally. What was the one thing you would say to younger Jeremy? I'd say, don't be afraid to get married. I, for the longest time, I was... I didn't grow up with a father. Um, I had actually a couple of fathers. My mother went through divorce twice. And so um, I don't, I never really grew up with a consistent father. And my mom's divorced now and she has four kids. So um, I was kind of scared. I, I was scared of marriage. You know, my wife um, was a great woman while we were dating, but I still didn't, I couldn't make that commitment. But I realized like, I feel like the key and like kind of like the hack to our success, it wouldn't be without my wife because she's, she's my team. She's my, my partner, my other half. She's literally... When I'm down, she is there to pick me up. Um, I think we underestimate. And if, you can, if you're not going to get married, like actually invest in friendships. I didn't invest in friendships um, or partnerships, friendships when I was younger because I was so focused on trying to get the dream job, trying to chase money and trying to just always level up instead of focusing on the friendships um, that would support me through my journey. 
Friends, I hope I didn't sound too excited chatting to Jeremy. It's not every day I get to speak to someone who shares a similar passion for finance and faith. Jeremy is truly passionate about helping people live a financially free life through faith. From this episode, we hope you took away that the first step in living a faith-filled financial life is to imagine your life and the values you live by. All the technical things will then fall into place. Hopefully after listening to this episode, you can start perceiving money with more gratitude and contentment, discover that there's more to life than the grind and hustle, and lastly, that our time here is finite, so make the most of it.